We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast here for episode 19, joined by the one and only Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso. We're here to talk all things football. We got college football slated for you. We got some NFL talk. We're going to pick a game, our lock of the week. Matt, I'm excited to hear what your lock of the week is. Uh, Some Cubs news, not the best news, but some Cubs news. We'll talk a little PGA Tour and we'll get into some segments. We know you guys love them. We got an awesome uh, mailbag question coming for you this way. It should spark some heated debate if I know Matt Rooney. Matt, how are we doing today? Doing great. Uh, I'm actually a little bit disappointed because there's no football on tonight. I had football, no football for the on last tonight. Yeah, since Thursday I had it on. We every got spoiled. Night. Now, where's the maction, Joe? How do, why, let's only, start? Let's start Tuesday night maction. Let's get it going. See, I can do without that. Like no, some people really it. get into maction, but uh, I can only watch so much Buffalo. Um, ah. But at the at the same note, Matt, you make a great point there. Thursday, we get we get kickoff, and I feel like since then, we've been treated to not only football, which we missed, but some great football, some heart-pounding finishes from the UCLA miracle finish with Rosen to really? yesterday night, a double overtime finish uh, with the ten- with Tennessee and Georgia Tech. I was I was locked in all weekend long. I guess you know, is what my that one is. last night, when it started out, I was kind of bu- like, don't, Georgia Tech can be fun to watch, but like, I, no, they I, can't. I didn't think, I, I didn't think Monday night, you know, the, the one game you got going on primetime, you should go with a, a triple option team against I think, an, an, I think an the triple option, the triple option, the wing tee, all that crap, option often should be outlawed. I can't watch it. It's the worst thing in the world. I mean, world. they dropped 41 last night and went in overtime, but they, they, they look pretty good doing it. They dropped you can't 40, disagree. 41 three yards at a time. That's like just make me want to scratch my eyes out. But that's besides the point, Matt. Well, you got you got to – you know, play to your personnel. It, it, that, that's what they got. That's what they go with. Like, that's what they recruit now because that's what that's, Paul Johnson does. But that's I mean, true. the quarterback ran for like 250 yards rushing. That's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it, it was good stuff and just the drama in the moment at the end there. Uh, a big play. They go would you, for, would you have gone they, for they go two? For, uh, I, maybe in the third overtime, it just felt like such a back-and-forth ping-pong match that kind of you just return serve there. Like everyone – I think that Georgia Tech realized that um, – they were kind of losing, losing a little steam, losing, losing air out of the balloon. Looked like they were getting tired. And, and your endurance is really everything when you're running one of those triple option read style offenses. If you don't have legs, you got nothing. And uh, I think that they realized it's now or never. So you can't really knock them for that decision. Uh, the play didn't pan out the way they would have. But if he would have avoided that sack, gotten that throw off, it would have been something. But um, Tennessee walks away with the win. For, on a personal standpoint, Matt, it was a great weekend. All of my biases, my allegiances come away with wins. We got Notre Dame walking away with a big W. Looking the good cat, doing it, too. Looking good doing it. The Cats come out slow, but they end up uh, putting a number. What did they won 31-10. to 10. I forget what the final oh, was. Yeah. There, but Northwestern comes away with a win. Our Titans at Illinois Wesleyan with a historic win, and that's no hyperbole there. Um, the Huskers here in Nebraska didn't didn't exactly wow, but they squeak one out against Arkansas State. So uh, nothing. And week w's. one's a W W W's a W. You can't really complain about that one, even though Nebraska didn't look uh, probably as good as most Husker fans would like them to. The uh, the offense looked phenomenal, and yeah, I, I was going to say forty one points. Tanner Lee, your your boy there, must have had a pretty nice night. He uh, he was he I think he was around sixty five percent. His rating looked pretty good. No interceptions, two touchdown passes, and threw a deep ball to Stanley Morgan that, you know, I said how, how fun it is to watch this guy spin it. And he just, it's a professional approach. He's calm, collected, hits Stanley Morgan on a 60 yard bomb and just, just a fist pump, get to the sideline, throw the headset on. Let's talk about the next drive. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely what these, uh, what these scouts at the next level look for. And he's going to be fun to watch all season because, uh, 41 points is not something that uh, I've been treated to during my time here in Huskerland. So, uh, how, how old is Tanner Lee? Tanner Lee is a 22 year old junior. He okay, had to sit so out he, a year he's got after another transferring. Year he he's got another year unless things go extremely well this year, which they very they very well could. I mean, from a personal standpoint, um, and uh, if he if he 
hits the bricks. There are a couple quarterbacks here in Patrick O'Brien and Tristan Jebbia that are waiting in the wings that are both uh, pretty highly touted themselves. So um, that's enough Nebraska talk, I guess. Matt, let's let's zoom out. Let's widen our scope here. I want to hit you with a question right off the bat. Let's do it. College, college football's back. Best thing you saw this week in this weekend in college football? Best thing I saw this weekend in college football at that that season. The Illinois Wesleyan fighting Titans pulling off the uh, the upset of the century. That even we on this podcast didn't give much give much of a chance to do. But no, uh, we didn't. Pulling off the win against Wisconsin Whitewater at uh, at Tucci Stadium in front of however many people were there. Probably not as many people that would have been there at Whitewater, but that's that's okay. Um, I, I I checked into the uh, the fourth quarter. Didn't could see too much of it, but when I saw it was, it was getting close late, I uh, tuned into the live stream there, and those guys, I think Whitewater had the ball on the one, Illinois Wesleyan won like three or four times throughout the game, didn't get it in the end zone once. Uh, two, so, so two, happy, force, two force fumbles there, yeah. Hats happy. off to that Titan defense. I mean, they, uh, they, they sacked up, for lack of a better term, and, uh, and shut down probably the best team in the country, not one of them, uh, multiple times when, when they needed to the most. Yeah, it had to have been a, an exciting night at Greenhouse there on Walnut Street. Um, oh, man. I, I Let's saw, just hope I, there wasn't a JV game the next day. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. But I saw Illinois Wesleyan Twitter blowing up, and I was following it myself um, just via the stat board. And I was uh, we were actually getting ready for the Husker game. I had just pulled up to the stadium. We're sitting in the, in the media room, and I'm following it. The game goes final, and I freak out amongst – probably a press pool of like 75 people in this room. And everyone's like, what's going on, Joe? I was like, D3 football, Titans come out with a win. And like a couple people were XD3ers as well. They're like, no. So I, I got a little bit of respect from, uh, from my peers there. But uh, definitely happy for the Titans coming away with a historic win. Hopefully they can use that snowball it into uh, maybe one of the more historic seasons in, in Titan football. That's we, a big are, enough win for them, too, or even if they, they maybe slip up in the conference once or twice, if they run the table and go – not run the table, if they finish up 8-2 and two but have that Whitewater win on their resume. Really you helps with your at-large bid. You can really get that helps with 8-2 and two in that. And uh, I, I, know, I know playoff berth is always something to shoot for, but at the same time, you, you want to ring and you want a yeah. CCIW championship. Absolutely. So we're, we're rooting for these guys as they get into conference play. A couple tough ones coming up. Um, I know I, I'm not sure what it is this week, but I know two weeks from now it's North Central. So maybe, maybe they keep running the table, Joe. We get a, a like a live podcast from Muggsies or something. Like we, that. we we head down to Muggsies for some cheese balls. Yeah, um, sounds good. Well, the best thing I saw this weekend, Matt. Uh, another personal tie-in here: Notre Dame football runs away with one, but uh, our boy Nick Wisher got in the end zone for the first time as as a member of the Notre Dame football team. He's been busting his butt. Uh, Plays tight end, a little split out there. Our personal tie-in is there. We played with Andrew, his brother, at uh, Illinois Wesleyan, and just the best family in the world. I know that uh, that Nick had had a lot of family on hand for the game and uh, a lot of friends there, and it was just a great moment for the entire Wisher family and for everyone that uh, that supports Nick. And I know uh, I had the chills when I saw him get in the end zone. It was just, you know, uh, one of those moments that uh, really puts all the hard work into perspective, and no one deserves it more than Nick and the Wisher family. So that was the best thing I saw out of college football in a Notre Dame win this weekend. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just him scoring that touchdown either. I mean, Nick had he had a pretty good game in a, he in did. a team with with three really tight ends that they like to use. I thought he was arguably the best looking one, and, and earned himself uh, a few more looks here going forward as, as a chance to be that top tight end for them. But he he. He did himself a lot of favors in that game. I thought we looked really good running routes, obviously catching the touchdown, blocking in a, in a Notre Dame run game that's going to be very important for them this year. Yeah, and uh, the Irish look good, Nick look good, and we'll be looking out for a couple more uh, house calls from Wisher and company. Um, Matt, as we said, college football back, back in force. You know, week two, we kind of tend to taper off a little bit uh, when, it, when it comes to scheduling. Some, some great games out there still. you got Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma. Anything in particular that you have your eye on uh, in the college ranks before we move on here to some, some well, NFL talk? I'm going to bring up the other big one. You just you said Oklahoma, Ohio State. I'm going to go Stanford, USC. Uh, that, okay. That's that's a great game every year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Stanford, I think, is a seven point dog right now going into uh, going into LA, and they they always give USC a tough fight. I think I saw they won like six of the last nine or something like that. Seven of the last nine. So I, I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch. Stanford looked great in that first. Uh, week one, where I guess early week one win against Rice when they had that game in Australia, but um, I, I'm excited to see what they do against a real team. And USC kind of struggled against Western Michigan a little bit, so I, I think that yeah. could be a really, really intriguing matchup, and obviously is going to go a long way in uh, in crowning a Pac-12 champion. 
Yeah, some some early action that has long term implications. Not only as you said in the Pac-12, but you gotta already start keeping your eye on the college football playoff because every single week counts. Uh, because it is still only a four-team playoff, and you got a lot of teams that are expected to be in that one-loss, undefeated, two-loss pool that are in the conversation. Uh, definitely USC in that conversation, and Stanford can catapult themselves into the conversation with a win here this weekend. Yeah, and yeah, I think you got Auburn, Clemson coming up tonight too. So I don't, I, not tonight, this weekend. So I don't think there's the wide variety of great-looking games, but there are those those three... A few marquees. Three, few marquees. four, if you want to count Notre Dame-Georgia, you know, marquee matchups at, at night that, that are going to be hey. a lot of fun to keep track of and watch. Huskers travel to Autzen Stadium for, uh, for a tough one. That's a big one, one, too. Is that an afternoon game? At Oregon, it's an afternoon game. Uh, opening line on that one, Oregon, two touchdown favorites. So, uh, Who are you liking the, on that one, Joe? The you, national you like public... The-, the national public, not with much confidence in Big Red. I don't think it's a 14-point game. Uh, do I think Nebraska comes out of there with a W? Maybe not. The defense is going to have to make some uh, some really quick adjustments on the fly because if they had tr- trouble with Arkansas State's pace and that kind of air raid quick offense, they're going to see it times 10. It ain't uh, going to slow down Oregon. up in Austin Stadium. I, I know this isn't the, the Oregons of old. These aren't uh, the Chip Kelly Oregon teams, but still, anytime you're playing with that sort of pace in that environment, that's hard to defend. So Oregon is Oregon. Uh, it's going to Oregon is Oregon, and it's going to be a tough one for the Huskers. I don't think it's a, a two touchdown game, though, Matt. Um, what I, what I do think is that uh, I'm I'm vulnerable, Matt. I, I'm at the point of the season where I, I'm my heart it's it's in my hands, and, and the Bears can put a dagger through it this week, next week, every week moving forward. But uh, we got Chicago Bears football, and this time it means something, Matt. Falcons traveling to Chicago. For, for a noon start, nothing says Bears football like a noon start on Fox. And uh, I just feel – I don't feel ready. I feel vulnerable, Matt, and I feel like I'm setting myself up for more heartbreak because for some reason I have expectation. You've talked me into expectation. You have a reason to have expectation this year. Just because the, it the can't defense. be worse than last the, year. Yes, the defense the defense. Good. You're not excited about the running game? They have a pretty solid <laughs> offensive line and the, the second-leading rusher in the NFL last year. You're Man, excited about that? Sure, their receivers suck right now. Excitement and running game aren't two things that go in oh, the same bro, sentence. Oh, I know you're a receiver. Grow up, Joe. I want to see the ball. Th- not an exciting football player. That's fair. That's fair. Jordan Howard. I like- Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen's not an exciting football player. He's got potential to be very exciting coming out of the backfield. You saw well, him a little bit in the preseason. Tell Tariq Cohen to start rocking the crop top, and I might get I might get a little bit more interested in the Bears' offense or their run game. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll put in a P, uh, request with their PR to, to get a sit down <laughs> with them and, and just need, talk about that. Someone needs to take scissors to these jerseys. Joe is becoming uninterested. Um, <laughs> that- I'm excited to see it. Though. I, I, I'm I'm I, this happens to me every year. But yeah. uh, I, I'm kind of all in on, on the Bears again. Uh, it, it was nice to see yesterday the news trickling out that Pernell McPhee won't start out on the pup list, that they're going to maybe not have him for week one, but it looks like he might be available coming out You know, week two, week three, whatever it is. John Fox said they're optimistic about everybody for week one, but I'm not sure John Fox has ever told the truth to the media, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, but that that was an, an encouraging sign because I know we had that buy or sell question the other day, uh, or the other week, excuse me, where I, I said, has Pernell McPhee played his last game in a Bears uniform? And that was an actual debate we had to have. I think we both said no, but it wouldn't surprise us if we didn't see him again. So it, it's nice to hear at least that we will probably see him again on that defense. Yeah. It, uh, looking at the list here, they have Pernell McPhee currently listed as questionable. Um, and one name that is on that, uh, that list that is labeled as injured reserve is Lamar Houston, Matt. And I know we talked a little bit uh, prior to the podcast just about the fall from grace and the lack of, uh, you know, just not reaching potential, what yeah. we expected. And we've talked in previous podcasts about Bears players that we want to see, you know, exalted to that next level of part of the Monsters of the Midway. And Lamar Houston was a guy that we were excited about when we got him. A celebration knee injury, and now here another knee injury leaves him on the IR. What is Lamar Houston's future with the Chicago Bears, man? Unfortunately, I, I, I don't think. There is one anymore. I think this is this is kind of it for him. Uh, I, I believe his guaranteed money is up uh, coming up after this year. I'm not totally sure, but I think that's the case. Um, I I think this is his third knee injury now. I, I just they they have a lot of depth there along the defensive line and their stand up D ends. And when they when they brought him in, he was kind of more of a four three end. And I'm not yeah. sure there's there's really much of a fit for him anymore here and that money that he's making. And while the Bears don't have cap issues yet. 
I, I doubt they really want to keep paying him if it's just going to be to you know play for two games and, and go on IR. So it, it's unfortunate because you brought up, I remember when they signed him and he was on the front page of the paper. I thought that was a great signing. I thought he was going to be that next you know key piece on, on a big-time defense, but he just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay on the field. Yeah. Well, let, let's go positive here, Bears, Matt. Matt. Um, what, what this weekend are you looking – what this weekend is going to make you happy aside from a win? Because, you know, you're welcoming – I don't care, 28-3, to 3, whatever it was in the Super Bowl. I don't care. You're welcoming the NFC – the reigning NFC champion in week one. It's not going to be easy. Vegas has this as a seven-point game. Bears getting seven. Um, I think – I think Atlanta – is going to be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I don't think the residual effects from that loss are going to carry over as much as they did, largely in part to the leadership and ability of Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is one of the best quarterbacks in the game today. And anytime you have that leading your team, you're going to have a good chance, regardless of what happened in the past. I mean, Joe, you you, you brought out – here's I'm going to tease a little bit. We have our, our lock of the week segment coming up late, a little bit later in the show, and I was actually toying with the Falcons minus seven because I think – you said that you don't think that residual effect is going to you know, stay over from that Super Bowl meltdown, but I, I mean, I think it's going to be the, I agree with you, and I think even more so, I think they're going to come out pissed off playing a lesser team that, that, people, are, that people are actually, I mean, I don't know outside of Chicago how many people are saying, you know, the Bears have some young, talented pieces, but whether it's Mitch Trubisky or not, the Bears are still getting some attention, so I think the Falcons are going to come out with something to prove, and they're going to want to put a beat down on a lesser team. And I I guess what I'm looking forward to is, A, to see what the Bears can do running the football, because that's going to be huge for any success they have this year, but also to see what that new and improved secondary does with a weapon like Julio Jones. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's he's one of those guys like Brown or Beckham where you can't stop him, you can only hope to contain him. But I'm I'm excited to see what these new pieces do and and how they combat the the talent of Julio Jones, because I don't think they're going to fully shut him down. And the Bears don't have any. Well, they're they're improved in that secondary. They don't have any shutdown elite players yet, but it, it's an improved group. And I'd like to see how they can handle it and, and see if you know Vic Fangio's elite coaching ability on, on the defensive side of the football can at least give them a chance to win. Here's your answer, Matt. Julio Jones is the best receiver in the game. I don't. It, I agree one hundred percent. Talk about Antonio Brown. Talk about whoever you talk about Odell. Talk about whoever you want. Physically gifted. Wide receiver, Julio Jones is the best in the game. And when you're facing a guy like that, you can't let him beat you. You have to force someone else to beat you. Julio Jones commands a cornerback and a safety everywhere he goes. You need to roll a safety over the top of Julio Jones, and you need, or you need to get into a, a package where you can have a guy spy him. You can have a guy just stay on Julio. He needs a double team at all times. If someone else beats you, if one of the, if let's say Freeman beats you out of the backfield or so, another one of the receivers beats you, fine. I'm okay with that. Do not let a team's A1 beat you. You got you to gotta be sure to take away their top weapon, and I think that gives the Bears the best cho- chance to be in this game in the fourth quarter. If Julio Jones scores two first-half touchdowns, you it's know the Bears, the Bears are going to be in a bad position. Yeah. So I'm, call- I'm calling for a double team here, and I'm calling for the thing that I'm watching out of this Bears team on the other side of the ball is Kevin White. I am going to be so hard on Kevin White this year, and I want to be – I want to be positive about him. I want to see things out of him. I want to see successful routes. I want to see him get in the end zone. I want to see him not drop a pass. I want to see ball security because we don't have a Cam Meredith now, and we don't have a Victor Cruz now. We don't have other guys. It is Kevin White or bust. I want to see Kevin White have success from week one, snap one, until the end of the season, we need to start seeing a return on investment in this guy. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you 100%. I'm, I'm going to be focused a lot on Kevin White, too. And I, while I don't want I, I want Cam Meredith to be healthy and playing, I want Victor Cruz to have been healthy and playing. But That's just not that the it, situation. Exactly. And the fact yeah. that it's Kevin White or bust, I think, is what's best for both him and the Bears because now it's, it, there, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. It's not like he can, you know, you can hide behind. Well, you know, Cam was having a great game. Victor was having great, whatever. Kevin White's your guy. Kevin White is your one A receiver right now, and this is his chance to sink or swim. And he's going to do one or the other. And, and I, I think this is our best way to finally get the answer. As long as he stays healthy, though, I guess if he's not healthy, we might have our answer. Um, if he's yeah. healthy, we we get our answer. Who Kevin White is? Yeah. Here's his chance. Go out and prove it. If you can't do it, you're gone. Absolutely, Matt. And one name that just came up there is Victor Cruz. Obviously, the Bears make their final cuts a few days ago. 
Um, anything that uh, stood out to you, really surprised you? Obviously, Victor Cruz being cut, you hate to see it because he's a guy who's worked so hard to get back in, in good health and try and make something happen. Gets hurt again, and you know it is a business, and I think he understands that, and I think the Bears understood that there's, there's no room for an injured Victor Cruz on, on the roster, and the extent of that injury must have been pretty serious to the fact Must have been more than a couple weeks. Yeah, that the Bears just kind of had to cut their losses there because there's no, there was no long-term plan for Victor Cruz. This was a Band-Aid um, for this season, and I don't think much further than that. Yeah, and it's too bad because it seemed like he was a, a nice veteran presence in Bourbon A and, and camp in the locker room and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. People seem to like him and all that. But like you said, it's a business. He, he can't stay healthy. And if it's a, if it's a you know, contending team, maybe he, he does hang on to the roster and they wait for him to get healthy. But the Bears have no use for, for an injured Victor Cruz who might come back week nine, week 10, whatever the hell it is. So it, it sucks for him, but he'll, I'm sure he'll get another chance somewhere else. And yep. uh, best of luck to him. Bears just yeah. don't need him right now. They got younger options at receiver to at least try and get a look out of. Yeah, sim- simpler times, Matt, when we were opening up uh, podcasts with salsa music, and uh, those are days of old already, and we haven't even seen him play a- an actual snap. Joe, that was 16 weeks ago, I think it was. <laughs> 17. <laughs> was no, it this really? is week 19. So that was I think week, that was, was week, week two? two. I think that, that was, was week two. two. Came yeah. in hot with some salsa. All right. Yeah, that was, we well, did. The Victor Cruz era starts and finishes uh, in a salsa here? Yeah, if there's like some like slow paced salsa right I'll, there. I'll, play, I'll, I'll try and find a, a slow paced salsa in. to play underneath <laughs> this segment. Okay, or like Besame Mucho or something like that. I don't know what um, that means. Yeah, it's all right, Matt. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well traveled. That's all I'm trying I'm to say. I'm sure you are, Joe. <laughs> well, one last thing here before we get off of Bears, Matt. Uh, we talked cuts. How about captains? Something uh, that stood out. You made a good point, Matt. Kyle Long, not named a captain, and Mike Glennon, named a captain. Obviously, you want a quarterback who's going to lead your team, and if the Bears voted on that and see that leadership in Mike Glennon, good on him. Uh, is he the quarterback of the future? No, but as long as you know the team's rallying around him and trusting him to be the guy, that guy, I, I guess that's a good sign. Yeah, and I, I don't think that Bears players, when they're voting for captains, are thinking, you know, oh, well, what if he's not starting this week or whatever. I, I think their, their yeah. goal right now is I want to win week one. Mike Glennon's my quarterback week one, and it takes a lot for a football team to not vote a quarterback captain, I think, at least, you know, at, the, at the higher levels, at the, the collegiate and professional levels. If you're yeah. a quarterback, you're probably going to be a captain, and uh, I, I think Mike Glennon probably deserved that. I, I, I'm not in the locker room. I don't really know, but if, if his teammates voted him, good on him. Yeah. Uh, the, the one that surprised me, though, was Kyle Long. I think he'd been a captain each of the last three, four, not four years, because I think this is his fifth, so he wouldn't have been one as a rookie. But I think two, three years he's been a captain, and now Josh Sitton was the uh, the other offensive player voted. I don't know if that had something to do with Long not really being a factor in practice the last few yeah. weeks and just kind of being a little bit of an afterthought. But even so, if he's that, he'd been that big of an influence in that locker room, that big of a leader in that locker room, it shouldn't really have mattered if he was hurt or on the field, you know, th- these last few weeks. But that, that that one was just the one that stuck out to me pretty big was that Josh Sitton was voted captain, Kyle Long wasn't. That. Uh... You make a good point there, Matt, that you know, if, if guys are voting on it, they want to see that presence at practice. You need to be a voice at practice, and it's not, always to be a, it's not always easy to be a voice when you're on the training table in the training room. So as long as there's a healthy Kyle Long, a hungry Kyle Long, I think that um, that's all you need. Oh, and that's I think the most that important thing, no matter he what. Doesn't, Kyle Long has never struck me as a guy who is going to be off-put by no. something of this nature, uh, not – not making a captain's vote. I think that Kyle Long, you know, and, and it's just being Howie's son. You know, just keep being Howie's son. Be a leader. Be a leader. That man raised his children the right way. He raised the leaders. God bless him. And it's not like you. It's not like there was a, a captain voted that was really turning some heads. It's like they voted yeah. him. It's it's Josh Sitton, who's I think like an eleven year NFL veteran who's who's been around the block a time or two. So he's not you know the worst option as another offensive captain. The, I, the the Glennon the Glennon vote does kind of turn my head a little bit. And you make. You make a valid point about your quarterback is usually your captain. And um, to further my, my Tanner Lee uh, man crush here, he before even taking a snap here at Nebraska, he was voted captain just in showing that leadership through practice. So hopefully that's the same situation here with the Bears, that Mike Lennon has really showed some leadership that we haven't gotten to see as fans. Because one thing with Jay Cutler that everyone was always so critical of was the persona, the sideline antics. I miss it. Bo- the body language. I miss it too. Miss it was it. It, it was entertaining, but you you always it always left something to be desired. You always no, wanted more from Jay's body language. Hopefully, 
even if Mike Lennon goes out there and has a touchdown to interception ratio of one to one, if he can go out there and be a presence, go out there and look like a quarterback, go out there and posture and show that he is the leader of this team, good on him as well. And I hope that's something that we see. I don't know if that's something we see. He just doesn't strike me as that guy. He doesn't look like a leader. He just, he looks a little aloof to me, but hopefully that's not the case because these guys who voted on it are much, much closer to the situation than either of us are. Joe, that's not very nice to judge him on his looks. Okay. I'm not not, not like not, not all like of a, us were blessed with award-winning hair, okay? <laughs> That's true, you know. It's uh it's just he's got a really long neck. No, I've said it before in the past. But hey, you, you keep talking Tanner Lee and bring him up at every chance you get. When are you going to get him on the podcast, Joe? Are, I don't when are you going to get know, Tanner Lee on Moose and Runes? That that's a big ask. The uh, are you saving it up for when he's you know a projected first round pick? Then we're going to get him on. Maybe we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him pre Heisman trip. We'll get him on the way out to Radio City or something okay, like that. Okay, let's so, let's, let's shoot for that. Let's put it on I'll the, have the to, calendar. I'll have to put in that request with the SID like yesterday. Okay, so, let's uh, let's put, get on that. Pencil that in on the calendar, Matt, for us. All right. All right, so it is Bears-Falcons in week one, uh, 12 o'clock central time for all of you planning on tuning in. I know I am, uh, and it's going to be a good one. Hopefully the Bears can hang around, make it interesting, and uh, give the home crowd something to be excited about in week one. Matt, before we get off of football here, uh, we're going we're gonna to inject a segment here that it's called your lock of the week. Oh, uh, my lock I know of the week. I know uh, we have some some betting fans here uh, on the podcast, and that's become no some that's become something that's even uh, less under cloak and dagger in the past few years. It feels like um, you know the sports betting side of thing is becoming much more normalized in the NBA, in the NFL, college football, whatever it may be. So we're going to give our lock of the week here in football. It can be either a college line or an NFL line that you are madly in love with, Matt. You lead us off with your lock of the week. Well, I, th- I, I okay. I, well, why don't you go first? Because we're you, you got a Saturday one, and I got a Sunday. <laughs> you, so, okay, I was going to say that, so you don't have a lock of the week. Is no, what I'm, I, I have two that I really like right now, and I, I haven't. But this is also a nice excuse to make you go first because yours is coming on Saturday, mine's on Sunday. You're you're just keeping it. Um, you're keeping it on on uh, on a, a good uh, a good storyline there. A good um, yeah, it's, chronology of events. It's, so it's a podcast my, with successful podcasts are all about you. Chronology of events. I yes. got you. My lock of the week is, uh, you know, they say never to bet from the heart, but I am going with the Northwestern Wildcats laying three and a half at the Duke Blue Devils. Now, full disclosure, I don't know much about Duke, but Northwestern came out against Nevada and uh, they, they didn't look great, especially in that first half. There were a lot of mistakes, a lot of week one mistakes that are easy cleanups. And, and you got to trust that Fitz is going to make those cleanups. This is par for the course with the Cats. They come out and they look shaky in the first half of a lot of games. They look shaky in the first week of a lot of seasons. That's going to happen. And I think that has forced Vegas and whoever these odds makers are to set this line a little lower than it should be. So I think that three and a half is an easy get for the Wildcats at Duke. I like that. I do like that one. I, if you didn't pick that one, I was thinking about it. Um, I was act, I was toying with another one. I think you talked about too was was Purdue and uh, getting giving four and a half at home against Ohio after that impressive performance against Louisville. But they're still Purdue. I can't trust them yet. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm going to go actually. <laughs> I, I I changed it up from what I was originally going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with with your AFC favorite. You're not AFC favorite, but your AFC darling team here, the Houston Texans. Okay. They are giving five and a half at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Um, I, I, I see the Jaguars having a very, very difficult time scoring um, with either Blake Bortles or Chad Henney playing mm-hmm. quarterback for them. God bless their souls. Um, <laughs> not sure who's starting uh, under center for Houston yet. I don't know if they've said that, um, but their running game's fantastic. They have weapons on the outside in Hopkins. Um, and that defense is just is, as good as there is in the NFL. So I'm going to take Houston minus five and a half. I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot, Matt. Um, so that is your lock of the week. Houston on your end, Northwestern on my end. We will revisit this next week to see how much money we cost our award-winning listeners. Sorry, guys. Uh, everyone, advance. just fade Matt, and you should usually be okay. Um, and that's, bet that's safely, nice. bet soundly, and bet within your means. Enjoy all the action this weekend in terms of college football and week one NFL football. It's here. Get on the couch, stay on the couch, and enjoy some foosball. Matt, 
we're going to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, we got some Cubs talk to do. Um, it, it always seems like when, when September rolls around, people forget that baseball even exists. And uh, let's just fast forward to October. We know all the storylines. We know all the contenders. We all know all the major players. But we still got to touch on some Cubs talk here. Jake Arrieta dinged up puts an even bigger question mark on this Cubs postseason run, Matt. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it was getting ready to just going to go into cruise control mode with baseball, but Jake Arrieta gave us a reason to be a little bit concerned, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Pulled up that hamstring, I think I think it was in the third inning yesterday, and then tried throwing a warm-up pitch and just couldn't even really get it off. Uh, they're, they're saying they think he's okay. He says he thinks he's okay, but an MRI is possible. Uh, we'll see what happens, but if he's out for a significant amount of time, that rotation is in in trouble because their mm-hmm. ace John I mean Arietta's been their ace since the All-Star break. But John Lester, their other ace, is still, you know, figuring things out off the DL. Uh Jose Quintana's been, you know, solid, but he hasn't been number one here yet. Kyle Hendricks has been up and down. Arietta's really been the stabilizing force in that rotation. While I don't think it costs them a playoff spot if he's out for any significant amount of time. If he's out into October, I they're gonna have a real tough time beating that Washington Nationals team who's gonna throughout Max Scherzer, Gio Gonzalez, and Steven Strasburg in one, two, and three. Yeah, I don't see – I really don't see three wins in there. I, I don't see four wins in there. I don't – you don't match up. And pitching – we saw it last season with the Cubs championship. Pitching wins you World mm-hmm. Series. And pitching was, wins in the playoffs. I, I don't care was, what how good your lineup is any, any – you know, no. if you have that elite pitching staff and then a bullpen to follow it, you're going to win in the playoffs. That was the marquee of the Chicago Cubs last year. Yes, they could – they had Kyle Schwarber hitting the ball a mile coming off of an injury. They had Anthony Rizzo coming through in the clutch, Zobris, everyone coming through in the clutch, Miggy coming through in the clutch. But when you look at the reason that they won a lot of those games, it was they were in the position for their pitchers to pitch. and, 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 and They had three aces. And, and be comfortable, yeah, and, and to produce in that moment. Do they have those guys? I, I, don't, I don't see it. And um, hopefully Arietta can get on the Pilates rack and get that hammy right. But uh, – Anytime that uh, – now, Matt, do you know which, which leg is it? Which hamstring is it? Uh, is you know, I want to say it was the right one, so the one he's driving yeah. off. But don't, I'm dri- not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me on it. Okay, well, I'm if to it is – the highlight in my head. If it is that drive leg, then that's a bigger – even bigger issue than a plant leg. Yes, you want two healthy hamstrings, but could you – you know, could you make things work with, with a dinged-up front leg? Yes, mm-hmm. with a dinged-up back leg, you're losing velocity. And uh, it's just – not what the Cubs want. Now, they are three and a half games clear. It doesn't look like Milwaukee's going to make too big of a push. I think that the I think Milwaukee's in, more concerned about the wild card right now than they are catching the Cubs. Yeah. I think they're only game out of that second wild card. So I think that's kind of their top priority right now. And, and Matt, now with, with the division all but locked up, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but with the division all but locked up, and the Dodgers kind of in the doldrums right now. Do the Nationals, you make a good point, do the Nationals become the favorite in the NL? Um, I still don't think so because the Dodgers are still going to end the year with, you know, however many 100-plus wins that they're going to get. They're still going to have Clayton Kershaw, you Darvish, and, and a resurgent Alex Wood kind mm-hmm. as their 1-2-3 in the rotation. I don't – the Nationals won't be the sole favorite. They could catch up to the Dodgers and be a close second, but I, I still don't see any way L.A. is not the favorite going into that playoff run. With I, I know they're kind of slowing down. And sometimes it can be a little bit hard to pull yourself back into you know midseason mode after taking the foot off the gas a little bit. But that lineup's so good up and down. Mm-hmm. The that one thing I'd be worried about if I was them is not so much the Nationals, but the, the Arizona Diamondbacks in that division have given them a lot of trouble this year. They're they're hitting the ball really well. They have some some pitching too in that rotation led by Zach Greinke, who if they're on, they're as good as anybody too. So I, that, that's a team who knows the Dodgers well and knows how to beat them. and might be a team I'm a little bit concerned about. Yeah, that's uh, there's definitely some, some some contenders in the NL, and I don't think Cubs fans, uh, you know, idol watchers, anyone has really felt extremely confident about this team at any point this season. So I think this is an important month for the Cubs to somehow build their confidence and, and become the hot team, the it team going into the playoffs. They're still good enough to do it. They still have the lineup to do that. And if they're going to be getting Contreras and Baez back soon, that's only going to be more firepower. So they're not by any means done. But the, the pitching has to be a little bit of a concern right now, especially with the bullpen not being uh, you know, as consistent as it was last year either. Absolutely. And outside of Chicago, the big headline of the week was Justin Verlander no longer wearing the Detroit D 
headed to the Houston Astros. Uh, Matt, you told me he's scheduled to make his first start tonight at Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, So a change of scenery for Verlander. I know it's terrible, but being a White Sox fan, you know, being always tapped into the AL Central, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Not only that the Sox don't have to face Verlander, that Detroit is in a rebuild mode, and it makes me feel good. Yeah, because does, the Tigers does that make are all, me a bad person. No, it does. Because that, I mean, <laughs> we're in a rebuild too. We're always Sox fans. <laughs> they're 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 in the dumps with us now. And the Tigers were always always that team that it seemed like no matter how well the Sox were playing, they'd have a three game set in Detroit and go get swept in a series they shouldn't get yep. swept. And so it's nice to see them rebuilding too. But yep. Verlander is just a huge pickup for the, that Astros team because while he hasn't been his Cy Young self that he was or almost was last year he's he's still shown that when he he needs to he's still got that a1 ace type stuff and he's exactly what the astros need and i think his after trailing off a bit after that all-star break has squarely put them right kind of in the top three with with cleveland and boston as the the favorites in that al he's going to be huge for them down the stretch yeah it uh it's going to be fun to watch uh it's always fun to watch justin verlander and top tier pitching in the biggest moment on the biggest stage, and I think that uh, we're going to see Houston on the biggest stage this season. It's just really, when you talk about confidence in a team, that's a team that has played with confidence all season long. And to add a piece like Verlander, man, that's got to give you even more. It does, and Carlos Correa is going to be coming off the DL for him too, and I know it's an old cliche, but that's almost like another you know acquisition of that team. That's another, you know, one of the best bats in baseball being implanted into that lineup again. So they, I, I think they're going to hit their stride probably at the right time here coming down the stretch. That they are, Matt. Um, well, it's it's widely known that we are golf enthusiasts. We are golf guys. We are, dare I say, a golf podcast. We always find a way to get a little golf in here. Justin Thomas comes away with his fifth win of the season at 17-under at the Dell Technologies Championship in the FedEx Cup playoff. The man is on fire, playing unconscious. I saw his last 11 rounds, only one of them. He didn't break seventy. He's Jeez. been in the he's been in the sixties and low sixties. There's a sixty three in there. There's a bunch of sixty sixes in there. A seventy one out of his last eleven rounds was the only round outside of sixty. Must be nice. And he is he could play with his eyes closed right now. He's still only second in the FedEx Cup rankings. Jordan Spieth, uh, about eight hundred and thirty something points above him in the FedEx Cup rankings. If, if Justin Thomas comes out and wins next week, he'll be first overall in the rankings and he'll be in striking distance of that $11 million. But just playing the best golf of his life and, frankly, the best golf of the season that we've seen out of anyone, Matt, in my opinion, he is a shoe-in. No matter what happens the rest of the season for player of the year. I guess Dustin Johnson, if he wins out the rest of the tournaments, could be the only guy that would even sniff player of the year in, on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think it's got to be Justin Thomas. You, you read off all those accolades. I mean, getting the first major, which said five tournaments and all that, but he also shot 59 earlier this year, which I think it's, true. It, it was in you know a warm-up <laughs> tournament out in Hawaii. <laughs> People forget he became the youngest player to ever sh- you know break 60. So that, that, that's just another accolade for him to add on to his – yeah, unbelievable season already. And I think we, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, but he's inching his way into that, you know, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day type category of one of those elite top guys in golf, I think. And in my opinion, Matt, this was his coming out season, and he is now in, yeah. in that elite group. There's You can't really talk about golf and contenders each from week to week without mentioning Justin Thomas. And he's... You know, the persona, the image, he's soft-spoken. He just seems like another guy's buddy like who would meet you at the bar for, for a beer. And that's what a lot of these guys seem like. But I think his baby face and his kind of timid persona are the only things holding him back from being the face of the PGA Tour. And I know we talk about, oh, who's the guy who's going to be the next Tiger? I'm not saying anything like that. But being one of those guys, like you mentioned, a Dustin Johnson, a Ricky Fowler, a Jordan Spieth, being a commercial guy. Yeah. Being a guy that the Golf Channel is pushing you know, during commercial breaks. And uh, I think that Justin Thomas is well on his way there. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's – I said he was inching, and I think you got it more right. I think he's th- – th- this weekend and this year especially you know, puts him really in that category. I, I agree with you, Matt. And uh, 
it's been it's been a fun season to watch here coming to a close uh two or three more tournaments i think two more tournaments off the um, top i think you're right off the top of my head or, no 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 three because it's this week let's see the following weekend is in chicago uh, the following weekend's at uh i believe it what is it not rich harvest um where's where are they have in the bmw this year um, oh. it's it's in the chicagoland area um and then uh, Atlanta is the following week, the championship. So I think we got three more weeks of PGA Tour golf, and uh, and we will talk about it on each and every podcast. Matthew, can't wait for it. Hit us with a grievance. Okay. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about. It. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? Cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Now, anybody who. Not anybody, but a lot of people who know me after that Texas A&M-UCLA game on Sunday night, it was, it was say Saturday, um, no, I was not at all happy with uh, one Kevin Sumlin. Um, it, for, for those of you who didn't watch UCLA, trailed 44-10 to uh, in the third quarter to Texas A&M and, and rallied all the way back because of some uh, poor execution on A&M's part and just some flat-out poor coaching on A&M's part. And well, I'm just a regular fan, and I think I have the ability to go out and, and rip a Kevin Sumlin if I want to, because if I can post something on Twitter or Facebook, no one's going to think you know two things about it. Um, my grievance this week relies with, or, excuse me, lies with uh, Texas A&M's board of regents member. I think his name was Ted Busby. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a real Texas A&M. Uh, that's just a good name. <laughs> that, that's a good Texas name. Uh, <laughs> But this is a, a Board of Regents member who came out on Facebook after the loss and, and basically said, "My, vo- I, I've been quiet all these six years. Uh, you know, I, I haven't liked him for a long time, and I think he needs to be fired." And, and basically went out on a tangent on social media and, and called for the head of Kevin someone saying, "I would do it now, but I only have one vote. You know, when that time comes to vote, I know where my vote stands." And I don't see what that accomplishes. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody, I know you're going to get a little bit on Kevin Sumlin here in a good way uh, in a couple seconds, and I'll give you that opportunity. But Kevin Sumlin's job has been in question, I think, all off season. Uh, I think I think it was their AD who made it known. You know, he was a little bit on the hot seat. They've co- collapsed down the stretch a little bit the last few years, uh, much like they did in the game Sunday night. It was a little bit like their his tenure in a nutshell. But for the most part. I don't see what a board of regents member coming out and calling him out on social media accomplishes for anybody. Uh, I, I don't see how it helps or hurts the program, or sorry, I don't see how it helps the program in any way. It's it's not it's not fair to Kevin Sumlin or those players to put that added pressure because those players, I guarantee, you love Kevin Sumlin. He recruited them, they got he got them to go there, and they want to play for him. And now this is just added pressure on anybody. And it, it, you don't see many happy endings after stuff like this comes out. And I, I have a big problem with a boss coming out in the media like that, publicly calling out Kevin Sumlin for his job minutes after. Probably one of the most devastating, heartbreaking losses you can imagine suffering. If I'm, I think you probably agree with me on that one. But that, that that's my grievance. As, as mad as I, much as I wanted to make it, Kevin, someone for costing me some money on Sunday night there, Joe. <laughs> I, I restrained myself and actually somewhat kind of backed up the guy. Yeah, Matt, I I, I completely agree with you that there's no place for this. Uh, you know, these board of regents, and you see it here in Nebraska sometimes. There there is a lot of power there, and that power has to be treated uh, with uh, what, did Uncle, what did Uncle Ben say? With great power comes great responsibility. There you go. And I feel like a lot of times these boosters and these regents um, abuse their power and, and use it in the wrong way. And to to go back to Kevin Sumlin and really the root of the issue is that he's still one of the great coaches in college football. Now his persona, his his name, his brand has been exalted over the years. With with coaching guys like Johnny Football, Mike Evans, taking Texas A and M from ultimate uh, infamy or oblivion, like just just nothingness. Like when we were ten years ago, Texas A and M was, was they were not, they, they played one game a year that everybody watched, and that was Texas. And every Texas, once in Texas, a while, they, they pulled off an upset and competed with them. That, that was Kevin, the only time you watched Texas A and M football. Kevin Sumlin has taken this program and brought them back into the maiden light he's and and he's 
He's making money for this program. He's getting them into New Year's Six Bowls. He's getting them into getting them invites into kickoff classics. He's get, he's he's maximizing everything for Texas A and M. And the fact that a regent can't realize that and just wants to from his armchair fire off a, a Facebook post or a tweet that only takes two seconds, uh, you know, calling for his job. That's absolutely wrong. I agree with you in that. It takes a very, very long time to build a culture. Kevin Sumlin has built a culture at Texas A&M. Is it a winning culture? Yes. It's well on its way to being one of the best winning cultures in in the entire nation. Now, the the last couple years have been, you know, that expectation might not have been reached. But like I said, it takes a long time to build culture. It only takes two seconds to apply a false expectation on a team. Kevin Sumlin is doing a good job. And if it wasn't for a couple of fluke plays against UCLA, this conversation's not even being had. I think that we're in a day and age where it's very easy to be critical of someone else's job. Maybe be critical of yourself every once in a while. And I don't know what this regent does or what he's responsible of, but I think that a lot of people need to look inside before pointing that finger because there's a lot of people doing good jobs and they just so happen to be on the biggest stage right in the smack in the middle of the spotlight and it's very easy to point the fingers at someone who has all the eyes on him. So you know what? Let's go easy on Kevin Summon because if you fire him, Lord knows he's got a job before you say that D of fired. He's got a job somewhere else. And, and, and I'm a guy who hopes that that job would be at Texas or at another rival. Get Tom Herman out of there. You had your chance. That was ugly. You can't lose like that in week one. Quick on Tom see- Herman there, huh, Joe? Get, get Tom Herman out. Okay, I know I'm, I'm backtracking a little, but, but put Kevin Summon in a position – to exact his revenge is what I'm saying. If this was to happen, I'm rooting for Kevin, Kevin Sumlin. I'm a Kevin Sumlin guy. And I think he deserves a little longer leash uh, after, you know, an 11 and two season, a couple eight and five seasons. Um, I think he deserves a little longer leash than the one he's getting, especially from this, this kind of faceless regent that you took to task, Matt. I do too. But unfortunately for him, I think this is just kind of the start of the beginning of the end for him. I think unless they make some, Massive run and you know beat Bama at Bama and win the SEC or whatever. They're they're he's not coming back. But I, I but, agree with you. I, I think why he should is be. That? I, you know, I'm not why saying is I disagree that? with you. Who I is, think he should be. Who is the hire? You know, a lot like, of people. Gonna, a lot of people now? fire their coach without having a hire in place. And I know it's hard because of tampering and NCAA rules to be in contact with another coach. But you got to know who your guy is. You got to at least have your list of three targets. And there aren't three targets out there. And I know the name keeps coming up: Less Miles, Less Miles, Less Miles. Who else? Who else? He, because, yeah, A and M and about seventeen other programs are saying, "Well, we're just going to go get less." Exactly. Miles. You can only pick one. Exactly. Unless Miles might like $4 million to sit behind a desk and, and, you know, talk about other coaches for a few years. Will Les Miles end up coaching again? Absolutely. I think he will at least. But, like, there, there just isn't that list of guys where you can be quick to fire someone or quick to put someone on the hot seat. And like you said, when you put a guy on the hot seat and, and you, you focus that light on him and make him sweat, I, I don't think performance follows too close after that. Uh, I'm, I'm totally with you there, Joe. But that's that's now, I guess, our grievance. It was mine, and now it's ours. Yes. Isn't that nice how that works out? It's a team grievance at it's this point, grievance. man. Let's move <laughs> right. on. Let's, uh, let's hit some buy or sell. Let's do it. All right, lead us off. All right, let me open up my buy or sell questions here. Uh, going back to college football, Joe, Jacob Eason, Georgia star, star quarterback, uh, not going to be playing this Saturday night. He's not out for the year, but he's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, with, without Georgia's star quarterback in, they're going to be starting a freshman after Notre Dame looked pretty damn good against a lesser Temple team. Um, buy or sell, Notre Dame beats Georgia Saturday night. Um, I buy it from, from the depths of my heart. That's where I buy it from uh, because you can't, ask, you can't ask me a question about Notre Dame football and expect to get an unbiased answer. Um, I think that Notre Dame showed a lot of good signs uh, – Definitely still a young team. Definitely still a lot to be uh, a lot to be desired from them. But um, I think Brian Kelly knows that he has the talent, has the pieces, and um, I think Notre Dame at home they they put up a fight, and I think they come out with the win against Georgia. Um, just strictly from a bias standpoint, I, I think that Notre Dame is a good football team again this year, and uh, I think that um, you know those sub five hundred seasons aren't aren't going to compound. Like like last year, I don't think we're going to see the same thing we saw last year. Uh, I would I would agree with you there. Let's move it on. All right, uh, buy or sell, Matt. 
Zeke Elliott serves his full six-game suspension. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy it. I know there seems to be, you know, these stories, rumors, whatever, that, you know, it, some stuff is being fabricated, made up, t- whatever. I still think in, at the end of the day, Roger Goodell is going to get his way. I, I, I think no matter how long it takes, whether this appeal lasts a week or two, um, I, I think in in the end he's going to end up serving six games, and I think it probably benefits them most to just let's get this over with now so we have them when it counts towards the end of the year. Yeah, I I, I lean towards that same sentiment, um, whether or not he's going to appeal it. I think it stays, uh, or whether or not he goes through with the appellate process, I think it stays um, a full six games. Roger hasn't shown much uh, much um, propensity to budge here on anything, whether it be Deflategate or smaller things. I know, uh, I think it was it Burfecht, Vontez Burfecht just got his uh, illegal hit suspension, targeting suspension reduced. Mm-hmm. But but when it comes to off the field issues, uh, Goodell and he doesn't budge. NFL front, the the whole office there at the NFL doesn't doesn't show much. Um, much room for much room for uh, looking at things in a different light. I think once they they drop the gavel, they drop it for good. And I think uh, Zeke does serve that full six, Matt. All right. Uh, my question now: Buy or sell? Uh, JD Martinez had a four home run game at the at the Dodgers last night. Buy or sell? Four home run game is more impressive than a no hitter. Not going to say perfect game because I think that's the most impressive feat in baseball. But four home runs or no hitter? What's more impressive? Uh I, I, you know, I've, I was toying with this one and I really didn't have a concrete opinion on it. But when you look at the numbers, I think for a four home run game has only happened. I think that was the 18th time, if I'm not mistaken. Like 18 guys have hit four home runs. I think uh, that sounds about right. Somewhere around there. Not going to pretend I know off the top of my head. Yeah. There have been, I'm looking at it here, there have been 296 no hitters. So, strictly from a statistical standpoint, I'd say the four home run game, just because of its rarity, is is a much greater feat than a no hitter. Not to say that a no hitter isn't a great feat. Only a certain number of guys have them. But uh, to go up there, you're you're probably only going to get four. At I'd like to know how many times those so he, four home run games came in four at bats. So he had because, five at bats last night, Joe. But he had homers in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yeah. So which is ridiculous. That's that's absolutely. You're just seeing a beach ball at that point, and yeah. to be able to do that. Um, with that, with that sort of regularity, I think that that's a special night, and, and it does just barely inch out the achievement of a no hitter. Definitely right. not a perfect game, but of a no hitter. I'm with you. All right, Matt. One final buy or sell here. Uh, we're gonna get a little. We're gonna get a little off the beaten path with this one. Buy or sell, Matt. I'm completely lost here. Sorry, I'm looking at our rundown. You can edit this out if you want, or you can leave me I, in No, this. we're going to leave this in. I like the natural. Like, we're going to go with this. You we're can leave me in. This. You I'm can leave me right here struggling. It. You're looking right at it? Easing out, buying so yourself I, I think what you're going to ask me is whether or not I'm buying or selling fall golf, Joe. I think that's oh, where that I, I can it. read your mind a little bit. Buy or sell fall golf. I know golf. you well enough to know from your tone. I know that's what you're getting at. Yes. I'm going to buy it. Uh, you're going to buy fall golf? I love playing golf in the fall. I I don't mind the, you know, the hot summer golf and all that sweating a little bit, but I like the, you know, it's a little bit crisp in the air, maybe, you know, 62, I got the long pants and a pullover on. Oh, pullover you, just, on. you said it. I love I, golf in the, the pants. The, maybe the, uh, the, the leaves are turning a little bit orange on me, Joe. I love it. I love getting out there in the fall. It's my favorite time of year to golf, golfing, you know, in as long as I can, sometimes even into early November, uh, I, I look, cause it feels like I'm stealing. Yeah. That I'm yeah. still able to be going out and playing golf and then actually going home and watching football afterwards. Like it just, it feels like I shouldn't still be playing golf, but I am. And I just, I love the weather. It's perfect. It feels like bonus golf. It feels like free golf to me. The, the only, the only drawback to fall golf, you talked about those leaves. Once those leaves change, they fall and then you get some lost balls. Under that, that's true. I lose enough that's balls honestly, though, where it doesn't really matter to me. That, that's honestly the only drawback to fall golf. I love it. A, a little breeze in the air, that crispness, keep you on your toes. You're not sweating. Matt, it's 68 today in Lincoln, and I'm getting out after the podcast. I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna go play 18 solo. You know, just just love that. Clear, in, about, in about an hour and a half. Clear the head. Yeah, hour 45. Um, play play a little golf and uh, just enjoy that that fresh Nebraska air, Matt. So I'm buying fall golf as well. 
Joe, if if lost golf if, if lost golf balls deterred me from playing golf, I don't think I'd ever play. You would have, I couldn't play quit, in the summer. You would have quit a long time ago, huh? A long, long time ago. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, that's buy or sell. We do have a mailbag question today, and it's one that I enjoy. Why don't you read it for us? Let me uh, give me a second here. I'm going to pull it up because I want. Oh get no, the no, exact no, no! You have wording. to read it right now. You I want have to, get to read the exact it right wording, now. Right? What you don't have it in front of you, Matt? You don't have it in front why, of you. Why don't you read my mind then, Joe? I it's something along the lines of that's eating what I food. Thought. That's it's what I food. Thought, it's Joe. food related. So this I thought you'd be on top from, of it from regular uh, from fan of the podcast Jeff Barris uh, via text message actually not Twitter. Um, mm. What's your ideal sports viewing food spread? Now we, oh. you don't you don't get to do the Saturdays often because you're working, but we got Sunday coming up here. Sunday's your off day. We got Sunday's day my off football. Day. I barely what, what's move. What's going to be on the Joe Musso living room table? Because it's not going to be on the kitchen table. You're not going to get up to get no, food no, no, and come no, back no. to the living room. It's going to be there right in front of you. What's on usually, the table, Joe? If I could, if I can give you a peek into Sunday, usually it's you know get Take up. Take me through your Sunday. You, you get up. You get up around. Uh, let's call it nine forty-five ish. You know we sleep in a little bit. Uh, Saturday's usually a long night. Um, we, we sleep in. You know we clean ourselves up just presentable enough to go out into public. You know yeah. just. We're not talking shave. We're talking maybe just a face wash, and we get out there. We throw on some sweats. We get to the store, and I'm a I'm an aisle walker. So it's honestly whatever catches my eye, whatever I'm feeling that day. There's always going to be some cured meats, some prosciutto, maybe some gabagol. There's there's always going to be some olives, an assorted olive mix. You know, I love I love a Sunday olive, some green, some red, some purple. Not a big black olive guy, but. We're talking cured meats, we're talking cheeses, and we're talking olives. Those are the cornerstone of Sunday. Then there's always going to be something big. Maybe we buy some, uh, some strips or, or T-bones. We get some steaks that we're going to do for the afternoon games. Or we, uh, we go a different direction. We, we get some pasta. We make a nice sauce. We let the sauce simmer while we're watching the games, you know, because a sauce is a nice slow thing. Once we, start getting in, once we start getting into November, December, Matt, then we're talking soups. We're talking soups. And I, I know, need to mute, mute myself here. I can hear you salivating, and it's making me uncomfortable. But you get into that November, December soup era, and, and we start talking a, a little bit of, you know, we get um, we get some lentils going. Maybe we get a little homemade chicken noodle. We get a little um, make the, make the chili a little bit there, Joe. Low a little and slow. Chi- chili, low and slow on the chili on a January on a January morning. So it, it all depends. But I think those cornerstones of my spread all day. There's gonna be there's gonna be cured meats. There's gonna be olives and there's gonna be cheeses. Usually paired with uh, if I'm feeling if I'm feeling a little uh, aristocratic, we get a nice wine. If not. A twelve or of something to, to tie us over for the day, but uh, meats, cheeses, and olives. I think is is my answer to that question. That that I I don't even I don't even you know what to say. Words I, there, that man? was I I was not expecting that. <laughs> deep, like, that's the detail you'd expect from me or something. Well, like, I, that see, was that's that's that's, that's that was me fantastic. planning. That's me planning this Sunday. That was just me planning this Sunday kind of – just kind of mind mouthing this what this Sunday is going to look like. Okay, well, mine's a little bit more simple. Okay. Um, Be- usually, beans and franks no you know i, I usually go out with the uh, I, I like the meat and cheese tray i think that's okay. uh, that's a big, big a little charcuterie if you will L- love having that sitting out there with the with the crackers i usually go with with whatever potato chip chip whatever i'm feeling sometimes that might be lays sometimes it might be doritos you know whatever, whatever okay. i'm feeling that sunday but empty calories that, i'm a uh I'm, I'm pretty particular not particular but i i have what i what i go with usually and that's that's a Lou Malnati's pizza, either okay. depend, sometimes deep dish, sometimes thin. And then I get some Lou Malnati's wings, which people oh, don't yeah? really realize. The Lou Malnati's wings, people incredibly forget. underrated. <laughs> people forget that. They're a great compliment to the already best pizza, deep dish pizza in the city. So that, that, that's – I'm not going to go into the detail of my weekend-by-weekend weekend breakdown of what's on my menu from weeks 1 to 17, Joe. But yeah, that, that might get a little uh, R-rated. We might go R-rated <laughs> there. <laughs> we'll save that for a for we have some young we have some, yeah. some young listeners here. We'll save that I for was, a football week podcast that we were going to get the explicit tag on. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, Matt, never had a Lou Malnati's wing. I you know it, not many. I've only had it a couple times. I think I almost we were getting it for a Super Bowl a couple years ago. I think it was you know Pan, uh, the Panthers Broncos one, and I kind of had a taste for some wings, and I saw that on the menu. I said, yeah, let, let's try. Let's see what they got. Beautiful, Joe. I was I was blown away with how much I like the wings. I will, I will have to try next time I'm in town. Give it a shot. You won't be disappointed, I promise you. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you to, to the bear man, to Man Bear Pig, for sending in uh, our question here. Now let's wrap and, this uh, up. i got to go eat lunch. All right. Well, yeah, you got hungry talking all that. I food. got hungry. 
Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into the Moose and Runes podcast. As always, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't. Like it, follow it, post it, share it, do whatever you can do. We appreciate your listenership, viewership, whatever you want to call it. We appreciate you guys. We love being able to talk sports. We love that you guys like to listen to us. We've gotten some, some awesome feedback from some people over the last few weeks. And uh, it means a lot to us that you guys are enjoying the podcast. And we hope that we can continue to be entertaining and, uh, you know, give you a, give you a little break in your work week and uh, take your mind off of things uh, that might be, uh, you know, square at hand on your work week and uh, other things of that sort. So this is the Moose and Runes podcast, week 19. Matt, you got anything for the people before I shut us down? No, let's, uh, let's shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, I'm going to shut it down, and I'm going to keep it brief. I don't want to hear about your fantasy football team. All right? All the drafts have been done. I don't want to hear that you got Odell. But, Joe, I, I got Christian McCaffrey in the fourth round. It's a steal, man. <laughs> Good for you. I hope you win your league. Don't tell me about your fantasy football team in public. If we're sitting down or if we're talking on podcasts, the fantasy segment, that's a whole different thing. But don't come up to me, especially if you're if you're a stranger or if you're an acquaintance, and don't talk about your fantasy team. We all play fantasy. We all love our teams. You know, let's let's try our best this season to be humble about our fantasy team, whether that be in success or in failure. Play your games, enjoy your team, enjoy your fun, and enjoy this football season. But leave me out of your fantasy football conversations. That's all I have to shut us down here on the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 19. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. It's been a blast, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Programming note, we will probably most likely be coming at you on Tuesdays from now on due to some scheduling changes on my end. It's a, it's a personal thing here. Uh, I work day side, to be fully transparent, on Mondays. That's when the Huskers do their big uh, press conferences. So we'll be coming at you from now on, most likely on Tuesday afternoons. Stay tuned and keep it locked for the Moose and Runes podcast next week. We hit the 20 mark, Matt. I don't know if we're going to party, if we're going to do something uh, something special. but We'll uh, figure something out. We'll figure something out, and we will be 20 podcasts deep. Thank you for listening. Moose and Runes podcast. We love your loyalty. We love you guys. Enjoy your week. And have a great one. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs>